This week, a courtroom victory for the hunting and fishing rights of non-status Mi'kmaq in Nova Scotia. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. This is episode 208, made possible with listener support. Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. For 30 years, the Native Council of Nova Scotia ran a system in which non-status and off-reserve Mi'kmaq got passports they used when exercising their Aboriginal rights to hunt and fish. Then, in 2017, without any warning, the Nova Scotia government abruptly ended the arrangement. It appears that the province did so based on the input of the 13 Indian Act bans. In 2019, the Assembly of Nova Scotia Mi'kmaq Chiefs announced their own enrollment process for hunting and fishing, status and non-status, on or off reserve. The Native Council went to court, and earlier this month they won a significant victory. The Nova Scotia Supreme Court has certified their litigation as a class action. In so doing, Justice Peter Rosinski rejected arguments from the province's lawyers that the case be thrown out because the non-status Mi'kmaq do not have rights under Section 35 of the Constitution to hunt and fish. We spoke with Chief Lorraine Augustine of the Native Council of Nova Scotia. Welcome to the program, Chief Lorraine. Thank you very much, Glenn, for having me. So we're going to talk about a very important uh, court case, uh, but uh, let's introduce listeners to the Native Council of Nova Scotia. You are the affiliate of the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples, CAP, in Nova Scotia, and you have you represent off-reserve Mi'kmaq people, of course, in Nova Scotia, some of whom have cards but are not members of a band, and some of whom do not have uh, cards, non-status. So you, both, you have both non-status and status in the Native Council. That's correct. Uh, we also provide programs and services, though, to those uh, who may have status but are not uh, from the Mi'kmaq Nation. So let's say, for example, a, a, a Cree woman and her husband moved to Nova Scotia and there's nowhere for them to turn to, they can turn to the Native Council of Nova Scotia and we, we will uh, accept them also. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the Native Council has been around for a long time, since 1974. So you're, you're not an organization who just uh, appeared on the scene. You have, you have a, a history in, in Nova Scotia. That's correct. And... And let's go. Let's start at the beginning of the story about uh, about hunting rights for members of the Native Council. Um, there was a um, an arrangement uh, starting in 1989, where non-status people could hunt as Indigenous people exercising their 
their Section 35 rights. So tell us uh, what the, and the Native Council was involved in that arrangement. So tell us how that, uh, how that system worked. Okay. Uh, first of all, they, uh, the members of the Native Council who were non-status, uh, what we issued was what we called an Aboriginal Treaty Rights Access Card, which is in short, the ATRA passports. Um, you had to go through quite an application uh, the applications, once was filled out, you had to uh, show your community connection, you had to show your Aboriginal ancestry with documented proof. Uh, we just didn't hand them out. Uh, you had to go through a rigorous uh, application process. So we had worked, and that obviously is through our Netagolimka Well Commission, which is our harvesting management uh, um, Department of the Native Council of Nova Scotia. And they worked very closely with the province. Um, the province uh, had accepted the ATRA passports um, for hunting, uh, forestry, and for fishing. Now, after the, the ATRA passports were issued, we had a very strict management regime in place. And as a matter of fact, the province used some of our uh, hunting guidelines in their own hunting guidelines uh, that we had developed, a very strict management uh, regime that we had in place. Uh, the hunters, the harvesters were issued tags uh, for their moose or deer or whatever. And they had to record them and send them in. And, and if you didn't, then it, it would be quite difficult for you to get another one the following year. So we had a very strict management regime in place for the actual passport holders. And, and that's how it all began with the province. Mm -hmm. So, and that went on for, for decades. And were there any issues? Uh, did, did the province say it had any problems with the way the passport system was working? Absolutely not. The province had no issue with the actual passport hol uh, holders. Uh, there was no issue with the Native Council or our Medical Well Management uh, Commission. They were quite satisfied. Uh, as a matter of fact, they were quite pleased that we had uh, such a good management regime in place and hunting guidelines for our harvesters. Yeah. So then in about um, 2017, something, something happened. And I understand uh, from reading uh, the court case uh, that the uh, the province uh, started talking to the um, to the assembly of Nova Scotia Big Mouth chiefs, so the the third the chiefs of the thirteen Indian Act bands in in Nova Scotia, and something a conversation uh, took place. and And were you part of that conversation at the time in about twenty seventeen? I was not. I was not part of that conversation. Uh, but having said that, I only got elected in September of 2017. So it would have been my predecessor that would have uh, had any conversations. Now, I don't believe that uh, my predecessor had any conversations either with the 13 bands or the province. Mm -hmm. And uh, after I got elected, um, they refused to meet with me or my management team. So there has been no, no conversations whatsoever with the mm. province since that letter of 2017. Yeah. And as they, um, they refer in the, uh, 
in their uh, in the letter that they sent to you at the time, they were having conversations with the quote unquote recognized representatives of the Mi'kmaq of Nova Scotia, which are the um, which are the thirteen um, bands. So they they shut you. They basically shut the the Native Council out. They did. Uh, and we, you know, always had a, a decent relationship with the province because um, I was chief and president years ago as well. And we had a, you know, a fairly decent relationship with the, uh, the Nova Scotia government. Um, and you're right, they do recognize the 13 bands uh, within the province of Nova Scotia. They did leave out the Native Council and the 13 bands cannot speak on behalf of the non-status. Uh, some of the bands do cannot speak on behalf of the generalist status Indians. So they're leaving out, uh, you know, a majority of the indigenous peoples in this province. Mm. So, and, and the difficult part is that, you know, what, what kind of bothers me is that you, under the colonial policy of the Indian Act, uh, you can become an Indian and not have an ounce of Mi'kmaq blood running through your veins. So, to me, that's that's uh, another unfair process uh, because the chiefs can also speak on behalf of those who have their status but are not Mi'kmaq, mm. and those who have the the ancestry and the proven ancestry that they are Mi'kmaq, uh, those are the ones that are left out. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, we, we never lost our treaty right. We still have a treaty right. What we did lose was the access on how we administered our treaties. Mm. Did you ever get any understanding of why the after 30 years, the 13 chiefs would uh, move in and, um, and uh, you know, put the kibosh on the, the passport system? Now that's a really good question because I'm just as baffled as you are. They did not give us a reason why all of a sudden that they will no longer uh, accept our actual passports. My only thought would be that in a conversation they may have had is that their our cards are not legit or and, and again, I'm just assuming because I wasn't involved in that meeting. I have no idea where, how they came to that decision, even though they came to the decision that they wouldn't accept our actual passport holders, harvesters anymore. Um, the minister did say in her letter, you know, that, that we had a great working relationship. So we were just as baffled as to why all of a sudden, after almost 30 years, uh, with a good working relationship with, with the, the identification of our ATRAs, our harvesters were out there without any kind of problem that they would just stop it, just mm -hmm. stop it. So this, uh, of course, when this uh, happened in 2017, I guess it, it was legally significant uh, that you were losing uh, this uh, passport system, but I suppose for the people who relied on those um, on those passports to to hunt, it was a practical issue of food. I mean, you know, people getting their their moose and deer for the winter and um, fish. So it was not uh, not only a theoretical thing; it was like food on the table. Absolutely, um, for sure. I mean, we basically they taken food away from our communities. 
who relied on them, just as you, you know, had spoken that it put food on the table. Uh, and of course, you know, the extended family, they always made sure that the children were fell, fed, their grandchildren were fed. And that was just basically wiped away from them. Mm. Like in, 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 in a matter of one letter. Yes. So, um, so fast forward to, uh, to uh, this month, you get a, uh, a decision from the uh, Supreme Court of Nova Scotia uh, certifying your class action. So I guess <clears throat> soon after this happened, you, you got in touch with the lawyers and got your, your litigation on the go. And um, and now there's uh, there's a, a this de- and this decision is certifying the litigation as a class action. So the judge hasn't ruled on the actual arguments about lack of consultation and the denial of the Section 35 rights. But it's interesting that the the province tried to have the case thrown out and said, you know, there's no case, so let's just move on. So um, the province lost on that, and of course, uh, as in many class actions, the certification is a major development because very often uh, negotiations with the, um, with the respondent take place. So perhaps uh, do you foresee this um, leading to any talks with the, with the province on the, the passport system? Well, I'm trying to be optimistic. Uh, I'm hoping that the province will, uh, you know, at least talk to us you know, before we move forward. But um, according to my harvesters, though, this this is a case. And I am, you know, was very thrilled when the judge came back and said that this would go forward as a class action, which means that obviously the judge, and it was a very long uh, answer, 129 page, um, that the judge had submitted in why he was going to move forward as a class action. So I really am hoping that the the province will get together with us and talk to us uh, about that. I I honestly couldn't say if they will or not. I'm hoping they will. Uh, But if they don't, then we're going to move forward. We're going to move forward to full force. So meanwhile, um, I guess people still can't... uh you know, are, are still without the ability to hunt and fish the way they did before. So it's, um, I suppose it's, um, you know, these court case take court cases take a long time and, um, and they still, uh, I guess have to, uh, I suppose they could still apply for the, uh, provincial hunting license, but, uh, as indigenous people, they might be asking, well, why should we have to do that? Uh, it's our land and why, why can't we do it? Uh, the way we did before. Exactly. And in the meantime, though, I have to say that the province of Nova Scotia in the 13 Mi'kmaq bands or the assembly of the Mi'kmaq uh, chiefs uh, developed, I guess, what they called a Mi'kmaq harvesting card of some sort. I, I, I don't know. Excuse me if it's the wrong name, but mm-hmm. they also tried to do the same thing as our ATRA passports. And uh, I, I'm assuming that they were going to reach out to the non-status. Um, and I know some of my members who are non-status uh, 
went to them to apply for this so-called harvester card, but got rejected. So that's just one more nail in the coffin to say that they don't represent the non-status or the officer hmm. and those on the general ban list. So, so what do you make of that, of, of the Assembly of Nova Scotia Chiefs initially saying that other people, that non-status people could apply to for their cars? It's kind of like they're, um, it's kind of taking a swipe at the Native Council, putting you, uh, taking away your, your activity in, in running the passport system. Well, obviously that could be possible, but I look at it from the point of view, I just worry about my constituency, my members, and I mean, in any organization, whether you're Indigenous, not Indigenous, you know, they're all going to try to take a stab at the Native Council uh, because we're not situated and public, the general public doesn't, most don't know about us and who we represent. So when you say, you know, if I'm introduced to someone as uh, Chief Lorraine Augustine from the Native Council, automatically they think I'm a, um, a reserve mm. or a band. So, I mean... The, the perception out there is I have to look forward and, and move to what's best for my community, which is the non-status and those off reserve who will and want us to represent them. Now, I'll have to say, not all will say that. Some of the status will say, no, my band, I don't, I don't belong to Native Council, that uh, I can go to my band for help. And you know what? That's fine. But we're here if you need us. Mm-hmm. we've always been here and especially for the non-status yes uh, and that's how the councils got started yes and in terms of um of the passport system the people affected by that why by what happened in 2017 how many people are we talking about the lost that lost access at that time oh we're probably talking close to maybe 400 mm-hmm. yeah it's not like a whole lot it wasn't like there was thousands of us up there you know, moose hunting, so to speak. Uh, it was a very a small handful of those who actually were able to get the ATRA passport. Mm. They weren't handed out, you know, here, you can have one, no, you can have one. It's a long process. Yes. And moose uh, are certainly not an endangered species. Uh, uh, quite the contrary. There has to be harvesting to keep them from... Um, overrunning the uh, the forest in some parts of the province. So it uh, there's no conservation rationale for, for what they did. Yeah, there isn't. And, and speaking of that, on the conservation, uh, there was about 4,000, uh, I think there was stats that went out from DNR. The Native Council stopped in 2017. And two years later, they were right down to about 1,600. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the Native Council that was shooting all the moose. My harvesters were not up there shooting the moose. Yes. Well, Chief Lorraine, an interesting story. Um, congratulations once again on um, on the outcome. And um, I guess we'll see what the next steps are. If uh, you're in a meeting room with the province or in the courtroom with the lawyers, I guess to be determined by the uh, by the way the province uh, responds. Absolutely. And thank you again for having me. Uh, It was a pleasure talking to you about this. Chief Lorraine Augustine of the Native Council of Nova Scotia. We contacted the Assembly of Nova Scotia Mi'kmaq Chiefs. They said they could not comment because the matter is before the court. 
And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Rachel Dial is our researcher. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler. I'm Sonokamah.